Hello, everyone, and welcome to the um, post-tax day edition, uh, if tax day weren't extended, um, of the Monday check-in. <laughs> a phone call from Keokuk, Iowa. I don't know anybody in Keokuk, Iowa. But you know how to pronounce Keokuk, Iowa. Well, yeah, sure. I well, would- I know how we pronounce it. I would be su- surprised if my pronunciation of Keokuk is actually accurate to the original pronunciation of it. But but it's how Iowans pronounce it. The ones how, who are living there now. Yeah, that's how that's how we said it. Fair I don't enough. Know if that's how the natives uh, in the area would have said it. But uh, Keokuk, Iowa. So, uh, at any rate, this is the Monday check-in. Um, so, and what we do, I'm Damon Jensen Hyman. I'm one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska. I know how to pronounce that one. Joined by Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska. And what we do for the check-in is we take a little bit of time and we preview some or all of the scripture that we're going to use for the upcoming Sunday. I'll have a little bit of a chat about that, and then we switch gears and we talk about uh, some kind of the life of First Press, what's going on, what folks might want to be aware of and put on their radar. So uh, anything else before we get carried away? I think uh, I think you base cover the basics there, Damon. Should I open us with a word of prayer? Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Gracious and loving God, in this season of Easter, may we continue to reflect on your glorious resurrection and the implications that that has for us today, 2,000 years later. We live in a post-resurrection world. We live between the now and the not yet. The world is not as you intended it, God. We trust in the saving work of Jesus Christ that happened 2,000 years ago, and we work together as the body of Christ to try to make this world a little bit more like your kingdom each day. Lord, energize us in that kingdom building work and inspire us as we study your word this morning. May it enter into our minds and into our hearts and may it inspire us to be more faithful servants of you, O God. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. So for this upcoming Sunday's worship service, uh, we do have a couple of passages that we're going to read. Maybe we'll talk about both. Maybe we won't. We don't know. The world is a mystery. So just join in it. Um, we have a selection from First John, and we have a selection from the Gospel of John. So, And for those who may be wondering... And may have already guessed it by Damon's introduction. He's the one preaching on Sunday, not me. (laughs) I would already have probably a a scripture selected and probably a sermon title and probably at least a paragraph written by this point. Uh, Damon will present us with multiple titles. Perhaps even those titles will make their way into the bulletin. Uh, and uh, we will look forward to how the spirit moves through Damon's uh, complex mind. <laughs> <laughs> complex is a gracious way of, of phrasing it. Uh, I mean, you had a sermon title for this Sunday, um, prepped almost a year ago. I did. 
I did. And 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 I let the spirit move and those sermon titles change. In fact, this I've been doing this little series of living in a post-resurrection world. And my first two sermons in the series, I did tweak the titles between when I had uh, designed them back in June and when I actually preached them these last two weeks. Um, so yeah, you know, I, 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 I let the spirit move too. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of, you know, you, yeah, you, it's kind of uh, charting a course, you know, or laying out a map. Uh, but then when you're actually the map and, and the footpath don't always agree. And sometimes you have to make little, little tweaks and adjustments along the little way. adjustments, if we will. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the first reading for us this morning comes from first John at chapter three, verses 16 through 24. And it reads something like this. Uh, we know love by this, that he being Jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's good and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this, we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God, and we receive from him whatever we ask, because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit that he has given us. Uh, and that's where that reading ends. Uh, and our, our second scripture reading comes from the gospel of John. And uh, this is Jesus speaking. And it's a bit of scripture that will probably be familiar to folks. Uh, starting at verse 11 and going through verse 18. I am the good shepherd. The good, shepherd's, good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my, from my Father. And that's where that reading ends as well. So, uh, Greg, what should I have? <laughs> I think they're both really good passages. And I think, uh, frankly, you could probably uh, do a sermon that ties them together somewhat. Uh, there's, there's some thematic sameness there. Um, the image of the Good Shepherd is a powerful one to me. It always has been. 
Uh, and shepherd imagery, of course, is used throughout the Bible in the Older and the Newer Testaments. Um, and Jesus picks up on that that theme. That was the same. Uh, King David was uses shepherd imagery a lot in the Psalms uh, and that sort of thing. So, uh, and I, I served a little uh, church when I was in seminary. It was a bilingual, multicultural church uh, that preached in both Spanish and English. And the name of the church was El Buen Pastor, the Good Shepherd Church. Um, we have a Good Shepherd Church here in, in Hastings. I think it's a Lutheran church yep. over there by the high school. So yeah, obviously an, an image that captures people's minds and hearts, even though we are not a pastoral people, and even though we don't necessarily know any shepherds or many of us don't keep sheep or haven't kept sheep, I think uh, it's a familiar enough image. But I think sometimes it's always helpful to get into the, the details of what that pastoral shepherd life was like. And it gives you a sense of the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus was talking about, that a hired hand does one thing, but a good shepherd who really feels a sense of uh, belonging to the sheep will will lay down his life uh, to save those sheep. And yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. And I, and I suppose, I mean, the sheep were also the economic livelihood of the shepherd. Um, so on a basic level, it would be just in the shepherd's best interest Um to make sure that the sheep are taken care of. I, you get the sense here in this passage that, that the, the shepherd is, is not really thinking about the sheep as, as a savings account, essentially, you know, or as an investment. There's a sense that the shepherd cares for the sheep as living creatures um, and cares for what happens to them just because the shepherd cares about them doesn't feels for them, I guess, emotionally, perhaps more than just uh, transactionally, if that makes sense. It does. And, and Jesus uh, does sort of try to divorce the shepherd imagery from the transactional imagery um, with the parable of lost sheep uh, as well, which we find in, in the gospels, I think of both Matthew and Luke um, that this shepherd would go off and find the one lost sheep uh, really leaving behind the 99, which then could theoretically be scattered because he cares about that one lost sheep. And so um, gives you an idea that Jesus is taking the shepherd imagery and making it his own, um, even as he does here in this John passage. And so, yeah, I think uh, it, it's, it's interesting to riff on those, those shepherd images and talk a little bit about that. We, um, when we were on our trip, uh, to the Holy Land with the group from First Pres, which would have been just a year and a half ago. Um, we we didn't. I don't think we saw any sheep, but uh, we went to Shepherd's Hill, which is where the angels supposedly appeared and announced Jesus' birth. And we were able to see sort of the territory that those sheep had been working in, uh, and sort of Im imagine what that might look like. So that was that was a is an interesting experience for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's also this, there's like in both of these passages, there's like a little bit of like transitive property kind of stuff going on. Um, and, you know, in the gospel, uh, you know, we get this, I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. Um, 
you know, there's this sort of sense that the sheep being us, <laughs> the disciples, um, if the disciples know Jesus and Jesus knows God, uh, then the disciples uh, can know God as well. Uh, and in this, and in the bit from verse John, now we get, it's put into abide language, you know, in, yeah. in verse 24, all who obey his commandments abide in him and he abides in them. And by this, we know that he abides in us uh, by the spirit that he has given. So this, this sort of sense of this um, weaving together, I suppose, of these, uh, of these different sorts of things and entities. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the first John passage has some rich stuff too. I mean, we've got uh, the introduction of the Trinity in this passage, right? We have uh, God the Creator, God the Son, and then talks about uh, the Spirit He has given us, which we'll be studying more in the next in the coming weeks, particularly as we get to Pentecost Sunday. So that's that's some fun stuff. And then, um, of course, there's the the stuff that you and and I and, and Kylie even when she's preaching fall back on, which is this commandment to love one another. Um, it seems like it pops up an awful lot, and that's because it does pop up an awful lot. The Bible is full of this particular commandment, and over and over and over and over and over again, um, we are reminded as followers of Christ that that is uh, that is the commandment, right? Uh, to love one to love God and to love one another, and um, and I, I like this first John passage. Um, I really do mm -hmm. that the God's love abides in anyone who, who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister and yet refuses. How could that be possible? Because let us love not just in word and speech, but in truth and action. Um, and mm -hmm. it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's proclamation and word and deed or proclamation and demonstration. I, I heard that this last week and I like that. Uh, mm. proclamation and demonstration and that the, 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 they're two sides of the same coin of love right um, and of, of the love of God that we are called to share with others yeah there's, there's part of this first John passage that um, to me seems so clearly connected to the, the kind of sentiment that, that I'm most familiar with from, uh, from must be James Right, uh, that faith without works is is dead, yep, um, or is nothing, or however you want to <laughs> phrase it. And I, there's something about this, um, you know, verse 21 in First John, beloved. If our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God. Well, whose heart doesn't condemn them? I. <laughs> There's this sort of sense in this passage that um, we will we will know that we are in the truth. We will know that we are a part of the faith. We will know that we are living out the things that we are called to live out. Um, you know, if we go to be in God's presence and our heart don't and our hearts don't condemn us in some way, shape, or another, right? I'm, I'm trying to thinking who, whose heart doesn't condemn them to some, <laughs> to at least some extent. Um, 
on a Sunday morning is, is striking to me. Um, and how does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother and sister in need and yet refuses to help? Um, it reminds me also of the, the story of oh, the rich man and Lazarus. Um, not that Lazarus, some other Lazarus. Um, the, the rich, the Lazarus was a poor beggar with sores, sat outside the rich man's gate every day, and the rich man essentially didn't see him. Um, and I, th- I think that that question is can be such a striking question um, if we would really, if we really wanted to sit with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, no better opportunity to do that than to preach it from uh, the pulpit on Sunday morning. (laughs) How does God's love abide in anyone who has, who has the world's goods, sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help. That's, that is convicting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. And, And the passage does also sort of contain some hope that um, that it would be possible for your heart to not condemn you about something. But well, really, and also you know, that even as our hearts are condemning us, there in 320, it says, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. So God's love will abide in us uh, even when our own hearts condemn us. That, uh, Yeah. Yeah, 316 and 317. I mean, that's 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 some powerful convicting stuff. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Mm-hmm. Right. And then how does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's good sees? And so what what the author is doing here is is um, putting that into uh, everyday life, right? Not simply asking for all of us to become martyrs. I'm not saying lay down your life to the point of death necessarily. What I'm saying is if you have the world's goods and see a brother or sister need and refuse to help, that's, that's the equivalent to not doing the work of laying down your life for your friends. Right. Yeah. And I would imagine that part of this is also a reflection of early church communities um, that where the folks in the community were really reliant on one another for support and for aid. Um, And so I think, and part of it may, this is, I haven't really dug into this much, but I would think that part of this would would be an encouragement to folks within the community of faith um, to care for one another and to tend to one another. We get the stories from uh, the book of the Acts of the Apostles about folks you know, sharing all of their selling the proceeds and giving that money, selling their possessions and giving the proceeds to the community um, and the community being responsible for caring for the orphans and the widows and the other vulnerable folks within their midst um, as a way of sort of laying down their lives for, for one another. Yeah. That's uh that, particular passage uh, was actually uh, the lectionary text just two weeks ago. We didn't 
focus on that one in Acts, but um, you're talking about Acts 4 at verse 32. Now, now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul. No one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet. It was distributed to each as any had need. And that's a, that's an important, uh, it's just a, it's an interesting passage. And you're right, it absolutely ties to this First John 3, 17 passage as well. Um, just reflecting on what, what does that mean? And, uh, but I love the, the, the claim of unity within that, right? Now, the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And it was precisely that one heart and one soul that, as we read, they gave great power to the apostles, gave their testimony to the resurrection. And that was how they gave their testimony to the resurrection, just like here in first John, uh, 3:16, we know our love for this, that he laid down his life for us. How do we testify to that? How do we witness to that? Well, we ought to lay down our lives for one another. I mean, it's right there. It's laid out pretty beautifully and pretty clearly there for us. Yeah. Yep. For sure. And I, I think that idea of, <clears throat> of unity and kind of of a, a drawing together i think also comes through in that in the gospel um in the in the john passage as well that um in this 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 one little in verse 16 that may seem a little weird <laughs> to us um i have other sheep that do not belong to this fold i must bring them also uh, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one, one shepherd. This idea of um, are there disparate communities uh, of believers who, who believe in Jesus um, but have some sort of disagreement about something else and, and, Jesus, and there's some sort of work to be done to draw all of these folks together. That's, it's an interesting little verse that gets dropped down in there um and there must have been something going on within the community but i'm not entirely sure just what yeah um i mean it wouldn't be hard to con conjecture a guess right right just like in our own community uh this is one of my favorite things that uh john witsett who was the pastor at the nazarene church uh one of the phrases that he taught me that i repeat all the time uh is that there are many congregations, but there is one church, right? And so there may be other sheep that don't belong to the Presbyterian fold. Jesus is spreading his arms out saying, I'm going to bring them all in. They'll listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd, Jesus being the good shepherd. Um, and that sense of unity obviously is a clear mandate here uh, in that passage and important for us to, to reflect on and understand. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, I don't know. If, I don't know if that'll make it in. I don't know if that'll make the cut or not um, for Sunday morning, but it's definitely a, a part of what is, is going on in these passages. So um, I think that this will preach. 
You think? You think? I mean, I mean, I have preached on the theme of unity for the past two weeks, so it wouldn't be inappropriate for you to pick up on that theme as well. <laughs> just, just to put it out there, not saying you have to, uh, but we talked about the the unity that comes uh, from doubting Thomas and doubting and questions, and by sitting together as a community of faith and, and seeking to understand those questions, there's a unity that leads to uh, to yeah positive impact, and then. Last week, the unity of, uh, of sharing a meal together around a table and the unity that comes from that. So uh, there, there could be a theme of unity that weaves its way through uh, a few sermons here or not. Totally up to you, David. Who knows? Life's a mystery. <laughs> Join in it. <laughs> uh, should we switch gears? Let's, let's do that. Let's uh, update folks on what's going on. So... Um, for Christian Ed, our uh, our children will continue to have remote Christian Ed. Uh, packets have been sent home for this last month, and the last Sunday of remote Christian Ed, where we produce a video, and by we I mean Steph Brader, our director of Christian education, along with some really great volunteers. Uh, that'll be May second, and then we're going to have uh, our first and only in-person Christian ed events uh, for the year, really, uh, for our uh, pre-K through fifth graders, which will be our picnic. Uh, on May 5th in Libs Park. We hope uh, you and your families can join us for that. It's always a fun time. Uh, hope the weather will cooperate as well. We've had some cold picnics before, but it <laughs> should be good. Um, yeah. And then uh, we'll take a few weeks off, but pick right back up uh, June 1st through 3rd with Vacation Bible School. And so if you've got kids or grandkids that would like to attend VBS, that will be June 1st through 3rd. Uh, it's going to be in the uh, outdoors in the green lawn area adjacent to the Masonic Center. It's a joint VBS with First United Methodist. So go to the church's website, sign up your kids or grandkids. And we also still need folks to sign up to volunteer. If you have questions about what it means to be a, be a Vacation Bible School volunteer, reach out to Steph Brader. She can answer all of those questions. Or reach out to me or Damon and we'll refer you to Steph Brader because she can answer all of those questions. <laughs> yeah. Steph's a better bet. <laughs> yep. Uh, what's going on with adult ed, Damon? Adult ed, I can tell you that uh, Forum has wrapped up for the year. Um, forums from the past year are up on YouTube. Dan Duffenbaugh recorded uh, one last sort of ramp up session on the Eisenheim altarpiece um, this last week. And it's a, a reflection on the risen Christ. And why is the risen Christ resurrected with scars, with wounds. Um, so it was an interesting forum. Um, we oftentimes think of wounds and scars as being um, imperfections, I suppose, or a mark of some sort of shame, perhaps. And so why keep those? Uh, assuming that if Jesus can be resurrected, then you would but imagine Jesus could be resurrected without scars. So um, why the scars? Uh, so I can tell you about that. And then heirs apparent is continuing. And uh, you may have a little bit more information on what's going on with heirs apparent right now. Yeah, we've got one more week that I'm helping to lead. Uh, we've been doing a study on this book called Visioneering, uh, which focuses on the uh, Old Testament minor prophet of Nehemiah and talks about uh, his own journey and how that compares with our journey in terms of creating visions for our life. So that is next week. 
And then that will wrap up. And I believe uh, the following week, they're starting a new study. Uh, I think it's an Adam Hamilton study. Yeah, it might be the walk. Yeah. So W-A-L-K, uh, not W-O-K. Uh, right. Thank you for that clarification, Damon. <laughs> uh, so that's what's going on with Heirs Apparent, which is another one of our adult Bible study classes that meets on Sunday mornings at 9.15. That group meets both in person as well as via Zoom. If you would like to come, come down to the church at 9.15. We're in the Anderson room. If you would like to join via Zoom, reach out to me or Damon, uh, and we will get you the link for that. So uh, speaking of in person and uh, digital, uh, our worship, we are back to in person worship uh, here in the church. Uh, that's happening. That's been happening since February 28th. And uh, we started with an RSVP system. We've scrapped that for now. Uh, we have capacity in our sanctuary to provide for social distancing for about 150 people. And so uh, we have not gotten anywhere close to that capacity yet. So if anyone wants to come to worship on Sunday, come to worship on Sunday. If we find that we're getting closer to that capacity and we still have COVID-19 precautions in place, we will rethink that and perhaps put an RSVP system. But as of right now, come on down. We'd love to have you in person. And we'd also love to have you worshiping uh, via Facebook Live or listening to us on the radio or watching the TV. Uh, we consider all of those faithful options at this point particularly as the pandemic continues to have an impact on us. So uh, those are all wonderful things. We have a lot of exciting stuff coming up in the following Sundays. This, this coming Sunday is uh, our Senior Recognition Sunday. The following Sunday is Confirmation Sunday and a Communion Sunday. The following Sunday, we have a baptism. The following Sunday, it just goes on and on, and it's exciting, and it's great, and we're, uh, we're pretty excited. So hope you can join us either in person or via one of our uh, broadcast services. Um, if we look farther all the way out till May, uh, the end of May, May 30th, uh, which is the Sunday that falls during Memorial Day weekend, we are going to do a worship service in the park. It shall be a joint service with uh, First United Methodist Church. And following the worship service, we'll invite everyone to come to the worship service and then bring their picnic basket and picnic blankets. Uh, it's in Alexander Park, which is the one that is just across the street from our church uh, to the north on the corner of 7th and Lincoln. Uh, and so come to worship at 1030. Uh, the other pastor, Greg, from the Methodist Church and I will preach a, a, a dialogue sermon and then stay afterwards and enjoy a picnic, uh, some fellowship uh, with proper spacing and social distancing and COVID protocols and all that stuff. So uh, and then and then the summer begins. Yeah. And then, yeah, so shortly after that, we'll hop into some of our summer stuff, uh, which will be uh, last year we did a sermon series using uh, some children's literature uh, and not like young adult literature, um, but like picture books, essentially, and uh, which I really rather enjoyed. And we'll do that again this summer. So if folks have ideas, uh, books that they're aware of, beloved family treasures that they think might make for an interesting sermon, um, let us know so we can start planning that sort of thing out. And along those lines also, we will do the Summer Sermon Song Series again this summer. So if you have songs that you think would make for an interesting sermon, uh, send that our way. Also, we have uh, collected a, a decent little backlog of these songs, um, but if there's something that 
out there that we haven't touched on yet, then then yeah, do please let us know so we can get start getting to work on those also. Yeah, I think that's all the uh, news that's fit to uh, broadcast on the Monday Check-In Podcast, Damon. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Fair enough. Is it time for a closing prayer then? That sounds good. All right. Loving and gracious God, you give us the breath of life. You give us your spirit. You call us to join in your work. You call us to let our hearts merge with your own. Help us to do that. Help us to find ways to speak your word to others. Help us to find ways to live your word to and with others. Help us to find ways to speak peace and love and hospitality and empathy and compassion and justice. Help us to find ways to live those things also and draw us all the time ever closer to you, ever closer to one another. In your gracious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.